Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. So when I was a therapist before this life, I steered clear of using forgiveness language with my clients. It seemed too theologically laden a word for a clinical setting. And frankly, it felt like too much to ask of many of these folks who have had experienced pretty grievous hurts. I felt some relief instead, encouraging folks to practice radical acceptance for their own sakes as their own therapy, to notice negative thoughts and replace them with more effective ways of thinking. And these are all really good and helpful things to do, by the way. Perhaps I thought of forgiveness as a rather frothy thing, a thing that was possible only in a more sunshiny life like an ability to forgive was a mark of privilege because it meant that you didn't have too much to carry. Perhaps I resisted the heavy-handed self-righteous morality that can come with being told that we ought to forgive by someone who has never had to carry a similar pain. But really, here was the difficulty. I could not counsel people to forgive without being also able to tell them of God's forgiveness, of the long arc of the story of God and humanity that has forgiveness and grace woven all the way through it. You see, forgiveness is not a set of words or a set of feelings that takes place in a particular moment. Forgiveness is a dynamic exchange that flows out of the endless self-giving of the Trinity. Not frothy at all. 
or only made for sunshiny weather. Jesus' style forgiveness is robust, unreasonable, extravagant. In today's reading from Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is fully aware of the weight and the ludicrousness of the kind of forgiveness he is discussing. So, dear, dear St. Peter, who is the kid in the class that the rest of us are always nudging forward to ask out loud the hard questions we're always just thinking, Peter asks Jesus, so how many times should we forgive people? And because Peter is often trying so hard for the A, he supplies the right answer, actually, as many as seven. So we can think of, we can often read the number seven in the Bible as a stand-in for completion or perfection. Peter has the answer right. Forgive as many times as it takes all the way. But Jesus says, nope. 77 times, or 70 times 7, depending on the translation. He's essentially saying, multiply completion by a bazillion. He is being intentionally hyperbolic and excessive to show the kind of forgiveness that is both being asked of us and given to us. I like our translation of the parable of the unforgiving servant because it shows us just how nuts this story actually is. Other translations say uh, the servant, you guys might've heard other translations. The servant owes the king 10,000 talents, which when I re have read that in the past, I just skim over to understand blah, 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 ancient money. And the servant is owed 100 denarii by, an, by another servant, blah, 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 more ancient money, but less. But the common English Bible translation, which we read, spells it out so we don't miss it. The servant owes the king 10,000 bags of gold. An amount, the notes say, an amount equal to the wages for 60 million days. Or more than the entire tribute paid by Galilee to the empire of Rome over a 15 year period. This is a bazillion. The story is meant to be ridiculous. First of all, what was this king thinking, loaning out that kind of money to his servant, and then to just write it off altogether? This is not realistic. This is not the way the world works. And then the servant goes and demands that his loan to a different servant be repaid. This loan was of a hundred gold coins or equivalent to about three months pay. So it's not that he spaced on his recent loan forgiveness. He didn't just forget what had just happened or simply fail to make the connection. The problem of the servant was that he continued to think of himself as a man in deep debt. Perhaps he was still trying to pay off some of his forgiven debt trying to acquire some of the money he owed to the king in a very reasonable way, the way that the world works, by calling in his loans. He could not find his way into the dynamic flow of forgiveness both offered to and demanded of him. He could not forgive 
because he could not understand himself as forgiven. Jesus is clear that what he is demanding of his followers is absurd, according to the ways of the world, just as what we are being offered is absurd. Forgiveness simply does not make sense, but neither does resurrection from the dead. And yet it is what we are called into. Unlike the forgiven servant, we are to understand ourselves to be surrounded by a foolishly abundant grace, the never-ending love of the God of power and might, with whose glory heaven and earth are full. We are called not to owe God, but simply to be with, to be in communion with God. When we enter into that mystery, then we can live into, when we can live into our identity as forgiven and loved, we will find there God's power to forgive, given to us to offer to others. Now, some pastoral practicalities about forgiveness. I feel I have to add while I'm talking about forgiveness with you. Number one, there is a line between forgiving someone and enabling their problematic behavior. They're not the same thing. Number two, a person can simultaneously work toward forgiveness and protect themselves from further harm. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. In number three, praying for God's forgiveness comes with a willingness to do the work to make a situation right, if possible. So if you want some more pastoral guidance on forgiveness in your own lives, in your own individual situations, please feel free to reach out to me or to Jacob. We do this because we are church. As Christians, much is demanded of us, but much is offered to us. The church, this community, is one thing that we have that can help us with the charge of living into God's forgiveness. Another thing that the Christian life offers to help with helping us figure out how to do forgiveness is the liturgy. As Episcopalians, we have practices that repeatedly nudge us toward the mystery of participating in the life of God. We are a doing faith, and the prayer is a doing. We hold that prayer shapes believing, that habits can build up toward our transformation, not to change God's mind, not to convince God that we are forgivable, but to convince ourselves that we are. And convince ourselves over time to become capable of forgiveness. Our liturgies form us into people who are sent into the world knowing our own forgiveness and crafting a way into the action of forgiveness, which God is ever drawing us into. The collect is the prayer at the beginning of the service which collects us all into this room, into this sacred space 
and into our interior sacred space. In today's colic, we prayed, O God, because without you, we are not able to please you. So we began this service today with the acknowledgement that it is only with the help of God that we are able to do something as morally significant and emotionally arduous as forgiveness. At the altar, we will pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us as, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is certainly not to say that God's forgiveness is contingent on our forgiving others. That God withholds forgiveness until we do the right thing. Neither is it as simple as thinking that as soon as we acknowledge our forgiveness by God, it will be easy to forgive everyone else. Instead, we are saying that forgiving and being forgiven are inextricable. Forgiving is a divine action, like creating, one which we borrow from God, and one which moves us closer into the life of God when we participate in it. Pay attention to the language of the liturgy today, and you'll notice that we acknowledge the forgiveness of sins to be a part of both baptism and communion. Sacraments that help us receive the love that Christ has always had for us. And today, pay special attention not only to our confession of sin at the font, but also to the absolution. Reverend Katie will remind us of our forgiveness, of the way God strengthens our goodness we will be reminded of our invitation into the restoration of our communion with God. Let that wash over you today. And then come back next week and let it wash over you again. We do all of these things weekly because we know that entering into forgiveness can be a process in which we have to let God work on us for a while. We do it together in prayer, even if the prayer is, Lord, make me open to forgiving, even though I can't imagine how I would do it. Or Lord, forgive me and help me to forgive myself. Or it may be wordless. Or you may need to borrow some words from the liturgy. So would you pray today's collect again with me? Oh God, because without you, we are not able to please you. Mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You can find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. 
Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.